for those of you that have been listening into here, I think that there's a lot more you're going to even gain by watching the video. We're going to be posting this on youtube.com forward slash AC Medical Org. So please go ahead and watch it. And I think that you will really enjoy it. Welcome to Future Docs Podcast. My name is Dr. Pedram Mizani. I'm a family physician and I'm the chief clinical officer here at AC Medical and uh, your co-host here at Future Docs Podcast. And I'm your other co-host, Cody Fan, a healthcare writer and editor at AC Medical. For episode six, you'll see that we're joined here by some guests, different from the usual Dr. Mazzani and I. And the reason being, for today, we're joining Dr. Mazzani's office hour, specifically covering the rank order list, following up on the most recent webinar on our YouTube, how NRMP works, ranking strategies, and avoiding a mismatch. Now, with that being said, today's guests are AC Medical members themselves, looking to complete their, complete their rank order list worksheet. And I'll go ahead and let you take the floor, Dr. Mazzani. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So do need each one of you to give consent with regards to being here today and, and in return for, you know, our advice and, and, you know, with regards to your rank order list, you know, that you do agree to being recorded. However, that we will either blur out or bleep out any identifying information. So today what we're doing differently and all of our members here have consented to anonymously share their information with us. But again, we're not identifying any specific programs and we're blinding ourselves, both the members as well as myself and you, Cody, to the name of the programs. We're blinding ourselves to the name of the program directors so that we're walking into this meeting completely unbiased. And I think that that's something unique that we're doing this time around. So even if I have some ideas about a program that, you know, there's no, you know, preconceived notions before getting into this meeting. Well, now, so what we have is, you know, we have the permission of our very, very generous members to go ahead and share a modified version of their rank order list worksheet so that we can walk through what I go through as I'm looking at a rank order list, what they go through as they look at a rank order list should be quite a unique experience for all of you. And for those of you that are just tuning in and, and watching your screens, uh, what we have is this is our 26 column rank order list spreadsheet. In our previous webinar, we talked about, you know, how do you even, you know, differentiate between programs, if, especially if you've had more than a couple of, uh, you know, more than one interview, how do you tell which one should be number one, which one should be number two. And in your case, like the PR, you know, the rank order list is going to go up today. So congratulations. So walk me through how you put the order of programs together here. We have number three, row number three, from program number three down to program number 10. Walk me through what you thought as you put this initial gut feeling rank order list together, please. Part of it, I went off the vibe that I received when I was interviewing with the with the programs, how receptive the faculty members were and how receptive the, the residents were, as well as the like any special things that they offer. Like for my number one, I chose that just because of the, the type of population the program director works with, like jail inmates, prison inmates. I have prior experience working with that type of population. So that I chose one uh, as my like the most uh, preferred. Number two, I just went down the list. Like number two is in my hometown. And I also knew one of the faculty members. I worked with them prior in my previous profession. And I just realized that they're, you know, faculty at this program. I just found out when I 
interviewed that they were one of the people interviewing me. So it was nice to have a personal connection with that uh, with that person, faculty member. Nice surprise. Yeah. So and I just went down to like, and I narrowed down my last least favorite, like number six and seven so far, because those programs are fairly new, only accredited about two years ago, three years ago. So they're really new programs, don't have a lot of uh, information about them. So, and then everything in between, I just gut feeling type of instinct. Okay. So we see that it's all family medicine, correct? Yes. Great. And that's that's what we had discussed. You know, we said that that's probably going to be your best bet and you agreed and I'm really happy that, that it's all worked out. So what I'm doing right now is I'm rearranging your gut feeling right now, just so that we see whether you still feel the same about it. So one, two, three, four, five, and then six, seven. And this is the one that you said you've not interviewed yet, but is number seven the one that is a new program? Yes. As well as number six, both of them are newly accredited. Okay, so let's just go through your number one and just say, okay, so that's the standard that we're setting, you know, the program as far as where you want to end up. So the specialties, family medicine, we've taken out the URL, but for those of you that are watching, you can see that, you know, URL, the sample is row number two. Number one reason for uh, the rank orderless program, director and faculty work with jails and prisons. And, and I know that that's really, really near and dear to your heart because of your, your work experience. And so that's, that's really good. Unopposed, very interesting that you mentioned that. Close to home, work with prisons, jail, inmate population, heavy OB rotations, urban and rural training. Okay, unopposed is really, really important. Can you tell us a little bit about you know those people that don't really know what unopposed means or what's the, the significance of unopposed, especially in family medicine? So family docs are the only residents in the hospital. So anything that comes in, we pretty much act like the hospitalists, internists in the hospital, as well as follow them up in the community uh, outside in the clinic. So we get exposed to all the procedures, hands-on with all specialties. Mm -hmm. Pretty big deal, especially if you're dealing with a myocardial infarction or stroke, patient coming in with congestive heart failure, you don't necessarily have to go ahead and give that patient up to a cardiology fellow or a neurology fellow. You would take care of it probably with the community cardiologist or the community neurologist. First residency that I went to was unopposed and that was a pretty big deal. And the second residency that I went to for my PGY2, it was not unopposed. And I found myself competing for patients and it was really, really aggravating sometimes because literally 25% of the patients came to Morehouse, 75% went to Emory. So one out of every four would come to us. And then within that one out of every four, we had to share it amongst 20 different residency programs. And you know, you could have some really frustrating call nights. So let's see, objective idea about how the program feels about you. The program director works with jail inmates and I have experience working in prisons, faculty, state of residence, put the rank order list together. So the program director didn't necessarily have no objective idea that, that how the program feels about you then. I mean, I think it went well, but honestly, it's hard to tell, mm -hmm. you know, just based on, I mean, the virtual interviews this year, it's really hard to get the feeling for that personal contact on how they're feeling. Okay. Total 15 residents, meaning five residents per, per year? Correct. Okay. And two-thirds IMG, one-third U.S. medical graduate. Okay. Year's program has had any unfilled, none. So that means it's a, it's a program that really gets who they want and probably the people that end up there really have selected that program carefully like, like you have. Post-interview communication, email from the coordinator, faculty, and residents. So they all communicated with you. Yes. 
Okay. And what did they say? Did it sound like a generic email or did it seem somewhat personal? Uh, somewhat personal is, you know, good to meet you. Your experience sounds like, you know, you might be a good fit, those type of things. Okay. Okay. Any of them call you? No, I gave the phone number in my email, but no phone calls. Okay, so you emailed all these seven programs and, and you gave me your phone number. Did any of the seven programs call you? No. Okay. Any graduates from your school? Yes. Okay. Any other ones with graduates from your school? Yes. Your rank order list number three here. I'm going to move this over here and i am going to move this over just so that we know what we're dealing with okay so your rank order list number mm -hmm. so your rank order list number one three four have graduates and six have graduates from your school do yes. you know any of those graduates no not personally you just saw it on their website yes okay all right, step one, minimum 210, average 210 to 225. Step two, minimum 210, CS on first attempt. Okay, how does that compare to where, you know, where you are with regards to meeting those? I exceed those minimum requirements and I pass CS on first attempt. Okay, I wonder how things are gonna work out now that CS is gone, right. uh, but uh, you know, it's, uh, it's too soon to tell. All right, so cumulative 12 months U.S. clinical experiences, no more than two attempts on any U.S. MLEs. CS pass on first attempt is mandatory. This is for your order number three. And then out of school, no more than three years. Step one, minimum 192, average 210 to 225. And then step two, minimum 210. Okay, let's take a look. Number four, no more than two attempts to pass any part of U.S. MLE. Graduated no more, no longer than two years ago. Step one, average 210, no more than one attempt on U.S. MLE. CS first attempt. Pass U.S. MLE on first attempt to include CS. Graduated less than three years ago. Okay, so all of these, you meet all of these minimum criteria? Yes. Okay. All right, friends and family nearby, you have, yes, majority of them at the exception number four, you know, Spanish speaking, patient population, low, medium, low, medium, low, low. Do you speak Spanish? I had uh, three years in undergrad, so I mean, I'm very conversational, but I can, uh, I'm working on that too, the medical Spanish part. Did it seem like it was important to any of these programs? No. Okay. Program type, they are all categorical. Are there any of them any special tracks? Uh, no. Okay. Program director, obviously we blacked that out. A number of interviews for the number of slots offered. Last year, 45 interviews for four slots, 64 for eight slots, 96 for seven slots, 100 for 10 slots. And then last year, 51 interviews for six slots, 65 for six slots and unknown. Okay, three interviewers. January 8th, four interviewers, team building exercise with other interviewees and psychologists or psychologists with them too. Six interviewers, four interviewers, five interviews, eight interviews, January 26th. Okay, now this being family medicine, what is gonna be really important is I think unopposed is gonna be a big deal. I think being in, you know, the closer it is to rural, the better family experience in my opinion that you're gonna get, but in family medicine and internal medicine, being unopposed is a pretty big deal, you know, in, in my rank order list. Because, you know, we all, there's nothing like that, you know, the, the really worried feeling, gut feeling that you get when you're 
right there, you know, when you're the team leader in residency and all of a sudden PGY1s fall under you and you become the one that is distributing the patients and now you're watching over what everybody else is doing and your level of knowledge has got to step up and having that unopposed experience as a PGY1 is a game changer. And so to me, I think unopposed is a pretty big deal. How many of these programs are unopposed? All of them except for uh, my second choice and number seven choice. Okay, so your second choice. All right, so if that is, and then number seven choice. Okay, so this is not unopposed. And this one, number second, is not unopposed. And why did you pick number two, even though it's not unopposed? Just because it's where I live, it's my hometown. Like I knew that faculty member on the, the interview committee. And how many other residency programs are you gonna be competing with? Uh, I think they're like total of 16. It's a huge program. Let's see, have they had any vacancies in the previous years? No. None. None of these programs seem to have had vacancy in the previous years. Okay. I'm assuming that where you found the not, you know, having a, any unfilled spots in the previous years, that was from NRMP's website, looking at the five-year history of each program? Correct. The URL you guys had in your spreadsheet, I just uh, went to that URL and searched. Great. Okay. So let's take a look at number two. So this number two is the only one that's in your hometown. Correct. You wouldn't have to move. You'll be right there next to family, friends. Do you like where you live? And do you like being around all of them? For most part, yeah. It's it's the comfort zone. Like I know how to get around. I know where everything's located. Uh, you know. Okay. So it's uh, you know you give up competing against fifteen other residency programs versus being around family. And I don't have a you know spouse or children, so that's not a big deal. So I could, that's that's why I'm willing to move. But immediate family or all in that town, friends, childhood friends, or work friends. Let's take a look at international medical graduate versus U.S. medical graduate makeup uh, of uh, these programs. So this is 9% U.S. medical graduate. Two point, this one was at the one-third. 9% is only 10%. Half, half, 90%, 90%, 45%, I think you're going to do good in any, any of the residency programs. I don't, have, I don't think you're going to have any issues with getting along with people, with communication. I think you'll be, you'll be fine. I think it's, in my opinion, I, I truly believe that unopposed really supersedes a lot of factors. If a program was, let's say, 100% U.S. medical graduate, and then you would have been the first international medical graduate that would go in there, it may feel like it's, you know, it's your opportunity to really make a statement for international medical graduates, but I, that's really not yours or my position to really be doing that. I would probably say that that's kind of a dangerous ground for you to be walking into, but the majority of these anywhere between 40% to, you know, 90 plus percent are international medical graduates. So I don't have any issues there. None of these programs have had any unfilled, which also tells me that the balance between the experience of interviewees and the interviewers has been pretty positive and they haven't had to go too low on the rank orders to find the people that would be a good fit for them. Let's see all of them you emailed and all of them no there's two three that did not communicate back to you 
I think those were the number, the lower ones. That's good. So number four offered you a second Zoom social one month after the interview. How did that go? Really good. Also on that number four, Dr. Mazzani. So I had a pre-interview with the program director. So they emailed me saying they had some questions on my application that the PD wanted to talk to me about. That was about a 45-minute interview. And then they said following that, they'll let me know if they'll give me the full interview, which she did. She gave me the full interview after the her initial. It was a pre-interview with the program director for about 45 minutes. Yes. Wow. And how did that go, Dr. PR? What was discussed? Was it just like more of uh, getting to know you better or what was it about? I mean, I had a couple of red flags, like I had a gap in my uh, schooling from the time I took the step exam to graduation. And then she asked some questions about my actual clinical rotations on what I did during my rotations. It was just a get to know me. Yeah, it's 45 minutes. He was just, we're just talking very informal with just the program director. Very she was satisfied with all the responses because they emailed me back saying, we'll offer you the full interview. Both of the guys that actually reached out a second time for the social meet and greets. So I mean, really receptive. So what got you to rank them as number four? Yeah, I was debating between number three and number four. Because number three was the same way. The number three, the residents were really receptive. They said that I would, you know, be a good fit for your for their program and really open. It's a difference of seven residents versus ten residents. Yes. Per year. I think things that we would have never thought about. You know, I think during the pandemic, the higher the number of residents, probably a little bit easier on the residents for that year. Because imagine if you have like five residents in a program, then two of them become symptomatic. Two PGY women become symptomatic. Guess who else is going to have to pick up the slack? And for that number three choice, it's actually five residents. That the, So the intern year is seven, but two go to the rural uh after the first year so it's actually five residents the number second year and third year this one right here number three correct so we start with seven and then two go off to the rural after the first year so your pgy2 is only five residents yes does that bother you no you're okay with the added workload i mean they still can't legally they can't force you to work more than 80 hours a week but I mean, who's really there to complain, right? So just kind of keep that in mind. And it's it's all the residencies are going through that. But I just think that if there's a little bit more man and woman force, then then you know the the, the workload is distributed just a little bit more equally. Of course, the PGY twos and threes have to step in. They will redistribute residents as they need to. But in some of the programs, it's a pretty big deal, and it's it's quite exhausting to the residents. Okay. Any grads from your school, you have it there too, cumulative 12 months of U.S. clinical action. Now, this is kind of interesting, which, which of course you need this. And what this tells me, this cumulative 12 months of U.S. clinical experience, and this is the same program that the that the program, no, 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 it's the other program below that called you and asked you about your clinical rotations. Yeah. Was she just wondering about the quality of the rotations or what were the questions that she was asking you about your, your clinical rotations? Were they more inpatient, outpatient, what my actual hands-on experience was when dealing with the patients, if I was actually doing the physical exams alone or if I was just shadowing a, the physician or a PA? Four interviewers, an initial screening interview, five interviewers, all of them were online, correct? Yes. Okay. So 
So let's talk about the cons for each one of these programs. Your number one choice, what do you dislike about them? Didn't really find anything that I, I really disliked. I mean, even the residents were really receptive. Faculty was really receptive, open, talking about them. Did any of the interviewer ask any questions that kind of raised your eyebrow a little bit? Uh, no. I mean, there was one situational question, like, you know, she asked me to give me a differential diagnosis for a pregnant women with uh, with bleeding, like just off the top of your head. That kind of just threw me off, but that didn't, I mean, nothing strange. Okay. And uh, what's the cost of living like in each, in, in number one? Uh, it's similar to my my hometown. So it's cost of living is, and it's some, all the Midwest states are pretty much similar. You know, apartments between 700 to $1,000 at the most. Again, the traffic is very light, so driving, from point A to point B is like less than 10, 15 minutes to get. There's no traffic, no parking. I have to fight with. Okay. Let's talk about number two. It's in your hometown. All right. So number one, it was unopposed, close to home. How close is it to home? Uh, less than 10 miles to the hospital site. Oh, oh that's, that's great. Yeah. All right. And then I right, worked with prison, jail, and May population, heavy OB rotation, urban and rural training and custom. Now, heavy OB rotation. When you say heavy, what do you mean? How many months of rotation are there? Oh, this is the requirements, 40 deliveries before we graduate. And I thought that was higher than like a normal ACGME requirements for OB. They're probably doing that because probably they have rural track and you will be doing more deliveries. So they really want you to be a family physician when you graduate from this. Okay. And this is something they brought up during the interview? I asked uh, the residents when the, during the Q&A. So they said, you know, what they didn't like about the program. And one of them said, I don't like the OB part. So I have to do 40 deliveries before I graduate. You actually asked what you not like about the program. Yeah, just to see how honest they would be. And they were very frank. I mean, you know. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Risky question. But, you know, I guess when you have, you know, when you have eight interviews, you, you do feel a little more confident to ask that. Okay. So how, do you, how is your OB? How many deliveries have you had? I only did uh, three uh, vaginal and one C-section. And actually, they actually asked me that during the interview, the OB director, how many procedures or how many uh, uh, pap smears have I done and how many deliveries have I been present on? Did she make any comment about this? No, she just asked them those, then went to the next question. Okay. All right. Let's go with number two. It's in your hometown, med school and university affiliated, has global health electives. Interesting. Previously worked with current faculty member at the previous job. 16 total residency programs, which is the reason why I marked that as red. And do you look at that as a as a negative or a positive, or you're you're indifferent about it, about the 16 total residency programs? And based on what you your previous statement about the actual hands-on training, I think that would be a negative for me. Okay. When you, say, you know that unopposed would be ideal since we're first on everything. Okay. Is there anything else that you did not like about this program? No. Okay. Okay. Let's go with number three, unopposed. What do you mean by geographical location? Number three, uh, the East Coast, close to water. I uh, like the, the nature. I mean, it's in, uh, I'm not saying the state, but it's in the East Coast where it's a lot of uh, outdoor activities and close to water. And Global Health Track, what is that about? So they have a wilderness track so you can actually do uh, I think a like two-month rotation 
were actually uh, trained in the wilderness pretty much. Anything like any injuries that you would sustain, like with the park service, would actually go out with them and train on how to do rescues and how to treat like a, a critically ill patient in the mountains, that type of. And they also have the international rotations where they go to another country for 30 days, one month. And is this the same thing as the previous one, Global Health Elected? Number, that was number two? Yes. Uh, no, so number two is just, uh, I mean, they have uh, partnerships with uh, some uh, countries in Africa that they um, sometimes go on a mission. This is more of a, like a religious school, so they do missions overseas. All right, cons about number three. I guess cost of living is a little higher in that area than than most like Midwest states. Anything else that comes to mind? Um, and like I said, there's only, you know, five residents after the first year. We started with seven, but then we go to five, second and thirds. So I don't know if that's an advantage, like we get more hands-on, more experience or like more workload. Removing pandemic from the, the scenario, going from seven to five as a PGY2 means that the PGY2s are on call probably a little bit more often. And they just have a, you know, probably one additional PGY1 to be handling than, than if there would have been seven residents at all times. So they would meet the PGY1s more often to supervise them. So it could help you develop in your leadership skills. And it would put you more in situations where you have to manage people. And so that's not a bad thing. You know, that's, that is a good thing. So that's removing the pandemic from the mix. But again, going into residency is really a battle to begin with. So whether you're battling with four others or six others is, you know, is the question that you have to answer. Usually for family medicine, you don't find big programs, right? They're usually, you know, somewhere between five and seven usually, and because they're really serving their local communities. And uh, so I think, you know, it would have been nice if you had seven, but if you have five, then you have five. I went from seven to five in, in my program. My first program had seven, second program had five. It was a difference, but we did have more leadership opportunities. And so looking at the resident roster, I mean, most of them, so this program is in the Northeast region. Most of them are either from Canada, up from the Northeast part of Canada, or from the Northeastern region. I'm not sure how big of an influence that may be. In what way? As in, are they only choosing their residents based on, you know, people from that immediate area? You know, most, most programs do look at where you're from and what will you fit in with their environment, with their, you know, with the demographics of the, the patient population. Most programs will look at that. And they do favor people from similar environments, especially the same hometown. They would, they would definitely favor that. So that's probably the reason why a majority of them are from there. So you're number two. You may be quite high on their list if, you, if it's the same hometown. Right. And this one is 10 miles, and that's still not really the same. So both of these are probably high on their list. And that's why I went even with the number two was uh, had multiple programs. Just a better chance, I thought, of you know being on their list, higher on their list than uh, the other programs. Yeah. Do you have any intentions of doing any fellowships after family? Not uh, specifically, no. Okay. And do you intend to complete family medicine? Yes. Without, you know, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Okay. So number four, you had mentioned that it is unopposed, warm weather. It's non-traditional residents, interesting. And then pre-interview social hour with the residents, pre-interview with the program director for about 45 minutes, talk about gaps in your school, et cetera. What are the problems with this? Why did this come down to number four? Uh, and it was just a toss up between number three and number four. So I, I mean, no specific reason since I chose the number three as number three, that's the, you know, four was left. So cons? Can't really think of any cons for this program. I mean, they're really, they're really receptive. These are the, that's the only program that I reached out twice for the social hour, you know, the game night. Uh, and is the cost of living very different there? Sorry to cut you off there, Dr. PR. This is down south. So I think cost of living is actually pretty low in this, okay. in this uh, city. So, I mean, that's the big change going from the Midwest to the southern region where there's no snow or anything else. It's warmer weather nicer weather so let's see between three and four if this is a toss-up if this is a toss-up between three and four let's go ahead and drill down a little bit more so total of so seven is ten residents Four residents stated that should be a great fit the second zoom social hour rated data total 30 residents IMG versus U.S. medical graduates is about the same. This one drops in residence in Pidgey by two by two. This one stays at 10. This one has, does not have a global health track. Chief resident also offered a second Zoom, okay. How many people showed up for the second Zoom call? Uh, I think there were four residents and uh, five, I think five or six uh, candidates. I'm not sure if they had multiple second Zoom interviews or Zoom social hours, but I didn't ask that question. And both of them have graduates from you. How many how many graduates from your school are there in, in, in either one of these? Uh, number three has two third years, and number four has one second year. So PGY3 and uh, both of them PGY3. Yeah. And thinking about it now, like number four, I'm a non-traditional student, much older than a traditional grad. And they do have their chief. He's actually a non-traditional student. He had military service for 10 years, and then he went to medical school. And even the program director is non-traditional. And we talked about her experience of she was an RN before she went to an MD. So we talked about her path. Actually, that's sounding, the more I talk about it, that's sounding more like a number third. No, that's and that's why we have these sessions is... Yeah. You know, we, we keep talking about it until you can visualize more and more and this painting becomes more and more complete and and you know these slight adjustments make a difference in your life right this is uh, these are life changing now no more than two attempts to pass any part of usmle graduated no more years ago step one average to ten step two unknown cumulative of 12 months no more than two attempts okay you know what honestly the, the reason why the two attempts thing is it's kind of interesting and i and that does matter to me is because god forbid in, in if you fail step three for whatever reason how you know how understanding are they if that happens during residency right you know so mm -hmm. some it's, a, it's a state licensing requirement that you can't pass or fail more than two or three i'm not sure like different states have different requirements there's also state licensing requirement that if you fail more than two they won't give you a license okay which brings pretty interesting question to mind. Let me just take a look at something really quick. 
Is your medical school, any of these states where your medical school has had trouble with their alumni securing an initial license, actually first, a in-training license, and then secondly, an initial license after residency is done or after a couple of years? Not that I'm familiar with any of these states, no. Which one of these programs is in a state where you could be licensed after two years of residency? I am not sure. I didn't research that part. Let me go ahead and add that because the reason why maybe also, you know, this is, let me go ahead and add this to the right, um, number of years required for initial licensure. Now I'm going to add one to the left of this, which is requirements for resident in training license. Add one to the left. Are there any state medical board laws that have historically prevented alumni from your graduating medical school to be licensed in the state? And so I'm going to move this to right here. These questions make sense? Yes. And so because these initially could be initial deal breakers, any of these in New York? No. Okay. Any of them in Texas? No. Okay. Massachusetts? No. Actually, I had a call from the director from Massachusetts saying my school did not meet their requirements. I did apply to them, and she actually emailed or emailed saying, can't offer interview because my school doesn't meet their uh, criteria. See? And what happens is if she wouldn't have made that call, and let's say you would have gone there and you would have ranked them and you matched there, guess what happens to you? Unmatched. Could you imagine going through all this again? No, no. One of our members had to do it. She was kind enough to, yeah, because I, I looked on each state's uh, licensing website, but I didn't find any information on my school on their website, but she did call and say, no, you, your school does not uh, meet the requirements. Okay. I'm really happy she did that. That was an ethical person. <laughs> okay. And then just for our future docs, Dr. Mazzani, how would they go about confirming that their school is okay? Or is it state by state? Or what is the procedure there? Oh, boy. That's a tough one. Really, really tough one. Let me rehearse to you what I had to go through in order to get updated resident and training policies from the state of Pennsylvania. It took me, I must have made 12 phone calls. By the time I got an individual that I felt like she knew what she was talking about, on top of that, it took me, I don't know, probably at least another three more phone calls with her. I had to convince her to speak with me, even though I do not have an active application in that state, because most of them will say, go ahead and apply and we'll let you know what happens. Well, we can't do that. I mean, I have to rank my programs. And if I don't qualify for an in-training license from your state, then why would I rank that program? Why would I even apply to that program? So usually what, because it is such, and then once I did that, I mean, the entire process took about, when, when I summarized everything for just this one state, it took about easily about 10 hours of my time. And I've done this for over 20 years. And so I knew what questions to ask. So I couldn't even imagine how you know, traumatic it would be for, for anybody trying to do this if this is the first time doing this. So 
for me, it was traumatic, you know, so for anybody else, I'm sure it's, it's equally. So what happens is most people just really, they just rank blindly and they go in and they hope everything is going to be okay. And sometimes, rarely, pro these medical boards will make an exception, but unfortunately, a lot of them do block. And that's what happened to one of our members in the state of New York, which we can you know, discuss later. But in this case, we won't talk about it since you don't have anybody in New York. But where you want to go right now, you just type in FSMB step three initial licensure, and then you go to specific requirements for initial licensure. And what I want you to do, Dr. PR and Dr. SE, is I want you to go through this website and you search your program, let's say, for example, we search, can you give me one of your states, any state, Dr. PR? Mississippi, Dr. Pedroni. Sure, no problem. So here we go. For Mississippi, initial licensure is different than resident and training licensure. So just a very, very, you know, just a 10,000 foot bird's eye view of what's happening here. They would require minimum postgraduate training for IMGs one to three years. So what this says is you may potentially be able to be licensed as early as your end of your PGY-1. Okay, that's, yeah, that's pretty important for even like moonlighting up uh, like second year, third exactly. year. Exactly. So now it says one to three years. I'm not necessarily sure this is new. I'm not sure why it's, there's a range, but that range is kind of interesting. But that tells me you could do it as early as one year, as long as three years. Maybe it has something to do with the number of attempts that you've had on your US MLEs. Maybe, you know, maybe there's just it's kind of a little bit of a gut feeling, maybe what the program director says. But yeah, you could potentially start moonlighting if the program also allows you to do that. Now, of course, you know, we, we could add another column here. And here we could say, I'm gonna go ahead and add another one to the right, and we can say, will. And this is a hard question to ask the program, and this is probably something you just want to ask the residents. When can residents begin moonlighting? Right? And I found most of that information on moonlighting on Frida on their page. It says yes or no for most of the programs and when. Usually it's second year or the minimum. Okay. And so if that's the case and you could be licensed, then, then this could be a really, really good opportunity for you. And that may go a lot higher on your rank order list. Okay. So which number was Mississippi? Four. That's the one we were working that's on. That we moved from three to four? Uh, yeah, that's, oh. that's one I originally had as four. And then the more we talking about it, it was thinking it should have been three. That's the one where the, the PD called me for an initial interview. So we should move this up. Would you agree? Yeah, and the only difference, I mean, looking at my documentation between three and four, uh, and I had the salary was one of the things I had on there. There's like a $10,000 difference between three and four. I don't know if that, uh, how big that should play into. If you can moonlight, you could probably make that in, you know, in a couple of months. Okay. I think that's probably why I did four as four and three as three. But I think the more we discuss it, four should be. It's uh, a number three. So we're going to change this to number three? Yes. And we change this to number four. And I'm going to put over here that I'm going to say here, number eight, initial licensure in one to three years for IMG and one year for USMG. And so here we're going to move down to the moonlighting. If you, know, you want to check Frida, and but PGY2, right? If it is, 
And then we checked on licensure, I think with regards to attempts you're fine and requirements for resident and training. So these are the things you need to check to make sure there's nothing else that for each one of these programs that you're ranking, that there isn't anything that really, really jumps out for where you graduated from and when for in-training license. Usually, usually in-training license is easier, but you know, it, you still want to check to make sure that there isn't anything odd that's had just come up. Along those licensure, Dr. Mazzani, for number two, like for step three exam, they're requiring us to take it before PGY1, before the intern year, to get a contract for the second year. And the, all the other programs were 18 months to complete the step three exam. That is a con, my friend. Yeah, just again, looking back at my the documents I had from each program, that was the only number two was the only one that was requiring me to be finished by pretty much December of the intern year. The bus pass step three before PGY2 contract can be offered. Wow. All right. So for those of you that are listening and for you, Dr. PR, my recommendation to all of you is if you're going to take step three, do not tell your program you're taking it and do not give a heads up to the program. Just take a sick day and just don't let them know what the scheduled date is. And you want to give yourself, you want to allow yourself at least two months in case you fail. If you fail, if you fail, you do not tell the program. You just let them know, oh, I'm scheduling and it's coming up, it's coming up. You do not tell the program. And you, you take a week off of sick leave. You study your behind off. Do about, you know, seven to 10,000 questions. And then go and retake it again. And hopefully you pass it a second time. I do not recommend you taking step three before the entire PGY-1 is completed. So the way that it sounds like over here with this program, the one that you rank number two, they want you to take step three, 10 months into it, probably 11 months into it. And so what's going to happen is if they're failure, they're probably going to put remediation. Once you go on remediation, you then have three months to pass this exam. But imagine the stresses of residency, performance. Now you're on the radar, you know, and you have to pass this exam. And if you fail it a second time, you're kicked out. So it's not a requirement we have to notify them. Does it show up on our transcript for, because they need the scoring report when we pass. It won't show up as multiple attempts? You scoring report just shows your score from that exam. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so you don't give them a transcript, you give them the score report. And they do not have a right to call US Emily and ask them about you. Okay. I, I don't like that policy of this program. Yeah, and that was in their written in their contract. That's the only contract that I read that required it to be done before uh, second year contract is offered. It's your private information. You need to keep that to yourself. So six months to study for step three and working as a resident, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. You still want to keep them as number two? So I'm thinking uh, number four, which is not number three, should be probably be number two. And what should number two be? Previous number three, that was number four, and the house should be moved up to number three, and number two should probably be number four. Isn't that something? And so number two is now number four. Correct. Okay. You happy you're doing this? Definitely, yes. I am now. Good. Let's talk about the cons. Oh, so let's go ahead and put, let's go ahead and talk about why. Yeah, that's the reason why. Any program that specifically puts that in their contract is, to me, that's, I know why they're doing it, but come on. I mean, this is, I mean, it's a pretty big deal. 
did they talk about any remediation in the contract or not nothing like that at all uh yes the three months like you said the three month remediation was in the written in the, the in the contract sample contract okay so tell me about the cons for number two then you know the only con i would say is just a salary but again like you said that could be you know easily made up but that's not a huge consideration but i honestly can't think of any uh, any negatives okay and so we talked about number four number five you had mentioned the pros is unopposed in the midwest rural and urban training wait a minute we already this is no, this is a new one. Okay, so then did not offer resident Zoom social hour. That was a con to you. And number five, it was in the same state as number one, my number one choice. It was in the same state? Yeah, different cities, but same state. So number one, number five, same university-based, uh, unopposed, different states or different cities. So four, university and community hospital affiliated yes and unopposed university and unopposed interesting so there's no other residencies no. well i mean it could be affiliated but wow hmm. affiliated meaning i think they said we teach uh the third year students from the university but it's not it's uh, not a university hospital i see okay 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 got it so third year medical students from local medical school come here but we're not sharing residencies okay any other cons for this one uh, the PD, when I interviewed with him, seemed uh, rushed. You know, he even said, I just had a baby. My baby was up all night. I didn't review your application. Sorry. But, you know, tell me about yourself. That type of, he just felt rushed, uh, like uh, he wasn't prepared. I mean, understandably, other situations happen in his personal life. But he even said, you know, I'm not fully familiar with your application. Please, uh, uh, tell me about yourself and your experience. That, that's how it started. But overall, it was a good discussion after that first few minutes. All right, so let's go to number six. New program accredited 2018. So relatively new, three years. Did it seem like they had their act together? They did. Uh, the interview? They did from the interviews. The and program director has 20 plus years of experience as a program director at another uh, institution. She was well experienced. And what is it about newly accredited programs that make it a risk for some or not a risk for others? So what do you think, Dr. Pierre? What are your gut feelings tell you? I just, I can't, I mean, I don't know the track record of their uh, passing uh, scores for the, the, the family boards. So I'm not sure how well the curriculum is still changing. It's not set in stone. So I don't know what resources they have available, the community preceptors, options for electives. I'm not sure how well they are compared to the established programs is my thinking when I listed them. From my perspective, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to being a newly accredited program. The pros are, you know, you can be a part of the building blocks of this residency and they're probably going to be a little bit more a little bit more understanding if things don't go absolutely right everywhere because they're a new program and they're still learning and even though the program director has been doing this for 20 years the community attendings have not been doing this for 20 years right it's they just started with this program and i think three is a fair track record that 
uh, programs that are brand new and they don't have a PGY2 and you're going to be the senior resident all three years, those are scarier, right? But at the same time, they, you could be having a lot more one-on-one -on -one time with the attending physician. Having more time with residents is a blessing and a curse. The reason why it's a blessing is because, you know, just like you were going through the interviews, Dr. PR, you felt more comfortable asking those, you know, questions of, hey, you know, what do you not like about the program? You really typically wouldn't ask that at the program director because, you know, the hierarchy, et cetera. Would you agree? Yes. Now, in a situation like this where you're spending, if you're spending a lot of time with residents, residents are also a lot more opinionated. And usually residents are the ones that get other residents in trouble. So if you do have a couple of vindictive or malignant residents in the program, then they could make your life a living hell. So if you're directly with attending, usually attending to attending, they don't, they really want to, they've been through life. They have a lot of wisdom. They're not there to kick you out. It's usually the residents that have troubles with other residents and they just can't stand it anymore. You know, and then they'll just keep complaining, complaining, complaining to the attending physician and the program director. And the program director says, okay, enough. The equilibrium is just getting crazy here. I got to get rid of someone. And so there's pros and cons to being in a newly accredited program. I don't think it just being new is enough to really rank them way down on the bottom. I think, you know, how you really feel about what they did, you know, during the interview, did it sound like they had their act together? Did, was it a nice facility? Did all of them show you a video of their facility before the interview? Yes, there was a YouTube video on there. Did all of the facilities look modern and, and kept up and, and something that you could see yourself working in? Yes, all of them. Okay, okay. And number six, I mean, along those lines, it was actually impressive because during the social hour, the CEO of the hospital spent time with us the night before. There was a board member that was available to ask questions, as well as the program director and the residents. So they were all uh, made themselves available the night before for the Zoom interview. So I've never had a chance to talk to the CEO of the hospital before on these uh, type of calls. So it showed, I mean, everybody's involvement. So that was impressive to me, but the only reason I put him as number six was just because they were a new facility. Very interesting. So the reason why CEOs get involved, what that tells me is that the CEO is starting the recruitment process at that time, pre-interview. Okay. That tells me that that hospital is very involved and the well-being of the residents is very important to that, to that CEO. Okay. So that can be seen as a pro then if the CEOs are very involved or is that also tip both ways? Yeah, I think that that is a, I think it is, it is a positive. So as we look here to number six, if I had to compare number six to number four, where I had to pass step three before my PGY2 is done, look at the difference between the two interviews and the two contracts. Right. Did all of them share the contract with you? Uh, yes, a sample contract. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to say here, any red flags in sample PGY1 contract provided to you? So I'm giving you a little more homework to do afterwards. I've, I've added, man, how many columns have I added? Seven more columns to this? Or six? We're up to like, a, this is a, a 32 column rank order list. My goodness. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to keep it brief, but I mean, this stuff is important, right? Uh, so red flags in PGY1 contract, I would say passing step three 
prior to PGY2 contract, and which means <laughs> remediation. I mean, you go on remediation. I mean, remediation, you're like, you're like one step away from being kicked out of residency. So I, again, that's, it's my personal opinion. I, I, I think that this six, let me just see if there's anything else that 12 residents, that's a little bit low. That's only, um, that's only four residents. So the call nights are going to be pretty frequent. There are only PGY1 and PGY2 currently, since I'll be the third class joining that program since it's new. So there's six in PGY1 and six in PGY2 so far. There's no third-year class. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that's okay. Okay. So this would be 12, and I'm going to go ahead and do 18 with incoming, right? Right. And then years program is at any unfilled none, obviously. Email coordinator. Uh, the program reply back to you. They did not reply back to you. No. Did they say why they didn't reply back to you? <laughs> no, I mean, I didn't receive an email acknowledging they received it or, you know, most of them were just thank you for, you know, interviewing with us after the follow-up when I sent my email, but I didn't get anything from these guys. That's not good. Do you feel better about this one or do you feel better about number four? Do you feel about better about number six or four? That's the one with the, if you have to pass that three. I feel better about it just because it's in my comfort zone. I know the people there, I know the community. And I, I don't foresee a, I mean, never know what foresee a problem with a step three exam, but that's just to keep in, but with your advice of don't disclose if you don't make it the first time and take it again. So that might be a, an option. So which one do you feel a better number five or number four? I would move six above the, the five, the one the PD was seemed like he was busy to review the, our applications before the interview. Okay, six before. All right, so we know what I should really do is I should keep these original numbers as you had. So this was number four. This was number three. This one was number two, right? Right. Yeah. And this is number six. So we have number one, four, three, two. There's number five is here. Okay. And then last one, close to the beach and these Andios. The cons are new program. Again, this, is this the same program? No, this is a different one. This is a, it's a new program as well, but uh, it's a different one. Almost all residents are from New Jersey or New York area. Yeah, they do have IMGs, but uh, yeah, pretty much everybody on their roster from talking to the residents and looking at their bios, they're all from the East Coast. This is an East Coast uh, hospital. And they're all from that region. These people did not reply back to your thank you communication either. No, and this is the one of the shortest interviews I had. Each one was 15 minutes with the PD, so literally the interview lasted 45 minutes. So it was really, really three interviewers for 15 minutes each and 15-minute introduction, so one hour, but very, very short, brief interview. I do get it why... ACGME wants to take bias away, or NRMP also wants to take bias away from post-interview. They want to take post-interview bias out by, they don't recommend that there be communication between program and the interviewee. I have a bit of a different opinion. I, I, if they don't want to communicate, I think they should at least reply back and say, look, because we want to make sure that we are non-biased, we have chosen to not reply to anyone after the interview. And that's, it's equal for everyone. And if at least I would have heard that, from any of these programs that you know that you sent a thank you, that would have made me feel a lot better. Did any of these that did not reply back to you, did they say that to you? No. They all provided email addresses after the interview saying, if you want to contact us, 
here's our email information, but only the okay. one that responded responded. Yeah, I, that's yeah, that's a um, you know, and and that I I probably attribute that to them being new. Like their leadership is not like pushing them and really looking at this as recruitment. They're a little bit comfortable and where they are, they're pretty comfortable with NRMP match. They're pretty comfortable with just applicants coming in. The ones that do follow up, I think that they have a better human resources. They have a better, that the leadership is probably a little bit stronger. Because I remember in my residency, like our program director would sit down with us and speak about all the interviewees and would tell the senior residents and PGY2s, look, I need you to call this person, follow up with them, see how they're doing, call them every couple of months, make sure you're in touch with them, make sure you email them, make sure you text message them, make sure you let them know they can come back and they can visit us. And we would actively be calling these people that we interviewed, you know? So if they're not doing that, then they're pretty comfortable. And, you know, it's, it feels a little more mechanical rather than really personal. So I, I, that makes a big difference to me, post-interview communication. Even if they're going to say, like, I can't communicate with you, at least you say something, have the decency and the respect to not leave, you know, somebody who's had so much anxiety and has put so much effort to getting to this point. Don't just let them, you know, there'd be no communication whatsoever. The residency is quite different than any other job as well, but you know, they should uh, communicate. All right. So all of these that we have, so you feel pretty good about the top seven that we have here. So just to follow up on your last statement, Dr. Mazzani. So I know the rank order list has to be certified by March 3rd. I don't know when the, the program certify their list, but should we call them in the next two, three weeks? Hopefully everybody's done with their uh, interview season. Just email, just to saying I'm still interested or what's the protocol on that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, especially those that did reply back to you, you know, they're, they're going to be okay and they're going to probably communicate back with you. So I'm going to go ahead and add another column here and we're going to call this one post ROL strategy communication with the program. So after today, you're contacting them and just to get a feel for what's happening. You know, you can't tell anybody what number you're ranking them. Don't forget that. And you want to just kind of contact them and kind of follow up on the same thread and with all of them, number one through seven, be like, look, I'm really, really excited, you know, for certifying my rank order list. You know, I really can see myself uh, practicing there. Is there, is there any questions I can answer for you? Right. And um, I'm putting my rank order list together without giving them too much indication that, you know, where do you feel you want to be now with your number one, if you really want them to kind of, uh, you know, know that, you know, you're pretty serious about them, you can just say, look, I'm, I'm pretty serious about you guys. And, and I really, really enjoyed my, my interview. I think it was probably one of my best interviews that I had. And so I, I hope that you all feel the same way about me too. And just kind of leave it open-ended like that and see what they say. And I will probably do that with, with three or four of the people that you communicated with. And if all of them come back reciprocally, equally, you know, then they're, they're probably communicating about you with one another and, and it's probably a pretty strong indication of what they, what they intend to do. So that's, that's what I would do. I would communicate with them and then just write down what your post communication was like over the next couple of weeks. Most of these people are going to start certifying their rank order list probably by mid February. Yeah. By mid February to third week of February. Some will wait last minute. But. And that was my strategy with the post interview emails is I didn't tell them I'm ranking you guys when I just said, Based on so-and-so, uh, you guys would be a good fit for me. Hopefully, I'm a good fit for you. So I just said, because of your unopposed program, because of your diversity in residence, because of your non-traditional residence, that, you know, I'd be a good fit. It would be a good fit for me is where I left it. I didn't say number one or two or so forth. So maybe you can now up it and say it would be a fantastic fit for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
And I do have a follow-up question for Dr. Mazzani uh, in regards to Dr. PR here. We've gone through the seven recorded interviews already, which is in essence a first draft of the rank order list of what we have for Dr. PR. Do you recommend Dr. PR returning to our office hours in say the next Friday or the week after to just get one more look through just to now weigh in on the eight and eighth interview? Yeah, for sure, 100%. I think it's really, really important like the PR that you come back for one more session, just so that you've had two weeks to let all of this sink in. We made some major changes here, right? I mean, think about where we were just an hour ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, but just think about where we were and where are we right now with your life? I mean, this is your life. We're molding it, right? So just for, just for a recap, just for a recap, let's go ahead and take a look your number one state number one number four is now your number two number three state number three number two is now number four and number five used to be your number six number six used to be your number five and number seven state number seven and number eight we do not know yet because you haven't had the interview, but I certainly look forward to hearing back and seeing if this gets to go any higher than number seven, and that would be really interesting to see. But once, you know, from now until the next session that you come here, hopefully within the next week, you would have had some communication back from the program. Hopefully you will have the rest of these new columns that I added. I think now I added 10 columns for you, but hopefully you would have an opportunity to go ahead and fill those out have more information about those state medical board policies with regards to medical licensure. I'll be more than happy to answer your questions and we could do a follow-up episode to the podcast and this recording so that we can share it with all of our members. Thank you for this very detailed review, Dr. Masani. Yeah, my pleasure. I mean, I've I almost, uh, you know, I, you feel like family to me. I mean, I've, I've watched you go through all of this. I remember the first time that you and I met and, and everything that you've gone through and I you know, and I, everything was very heartfelt. And I know how committed you are to family medicine. Your history is unbelievable. The transitions that you've had between your careers, amazing. Perseverance has been amazing. You know, just uh, the difference in, in how you prepared for, for the match is really good. Did You participated in the previous match as well, right? Yes, I went from a zero interviews last year to eight interviews this year based on yeah, the, your recommendation and the application review process and the whole personal statement reviews. We'll think those all added to the eight from zero to eight. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. What you did today was priceless, very heartfelt. You're going to help so many people that are that are going to be watching this and hearing this and I don't think there has ever been a session like this ever. I've never seen a rank order list be analyzed to this level of detail, especially for you know somebody who's went to a medical school abroad and is a non-traditional student and is you know at this point this is definitely a you know this is an eight hundred percent success rate over last year. You know it's it's very positive uh, reaffirmation that people should not give up. Do you have any final words for anybody who's you know was in your shoes like you were last year? Zero interviews. How did you feel then? What do you want to tell them now? Follow your advice, follow your recommendations, keep working at it. And it's possible. I mean, if you go from zero to eight, that's just that. Uh, yeah, that's pretty huge improvement. 
And it's all based on you guys' uh, reviews of all my documents and the advice that I got. And I even did the interview prep with you uh, last year, and that helped this year. So those all come in hand. So you recommend AC Medical to your friends? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. PR. I really appreciate it. Thanks. My pleasure. Dr. Essie, you've been so patiently waiting here. What do you think about all of this? I first an eye-opener, highly uh, like insightful. So I appreciate that, yes. All right. So Dr. S.E., we're dealing with two programs, somewhat of a distance from one another, Ohio and D.C., both of them internal medicine. One of them is a primary care track. One is a categorical. And really, primary care track means that it's a little bit more heavier on the outpatient rural. And then categorical internal medicine is your traditional internal medicine. Proximity, this Ohio one is important to you. It's like where my husband is. Yeah, that makes that's a big difference. And so certainly that would stay as number one. And then categorical and H1B visa. Did they offer you? Did they say that they would apply for an H-1B for you and sponsor you for an H-1B? Uh, it's written on the, uh, on the website, Alfreda and Resus Explorer, that they sponsor both visas, H-1 and H-1B. Did you discuss that at all during the interview? Uh, no. Okay. Does it make a difference to you? Uh, it's more of ease in mind of the residency, like to be searching for the waiver afterwards for the J-1. That's it. Okay. So let's go ahead and take a look at five post interview and see proximity, you know, preference in the, in the Midwest, all the primary care track it is 80 categorical. It still makes me eligible to do fellowship if considered. Yeah, I mean, you would be, you will be eligible to do fellowships regardless, whether you're in categorical or the primary care track, you're, you're fine. What fellowship are you thinking about potentially? Well, if I consider the fellowship, I'm interested in endocrinology. But like I need to see myself like in a couple of years how where I'm standing. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. And then all the primary care track it is eighty percent as uh, categorical and still makes me eligible for fellowship. But considered residents are friendly and seem to have a work personal life balance and then protected didactics encouraging uh, research and academic medicine. Got it. All right. And then let's see. This cons. This is always interesting. J one visa only. Okay. Is your husband also sponsored by the same facility? No. Okay. So he's in a different, he's in a different hospital. Ah, uh, got, it, mm. got it, got it. So the, the, your husband is not at the same hospital where this residency is sponsored by? Yes. Okay, got it. Okay. Not much attention for underserved population. Primary care track is small program. How many residents? It's four residents per year. And the other one is 22 per year. Okay. 50% IMG, mostly IMG. All right, let's see. Primary care track is small program, four positions only. So worried if they might not rank me high enough. Have they had any unfilleds in the previous years? If they interviewed, not sure, so around 15 for my day and six dates were offered. So there were 15 people in your interview? Yes, this is for program number two, not number one. Were they all like this, like four of us here, or was it all individual? You just went 15 minutes, 15 minutes, back to back to back to different rooms. For the second one, it was like two interviews, each one in a separate interview room. So it was only, I was always one-on-one? -on -one? Yes, for the second one. For the first one was a panel interview with two interviews. 
So there were two asking you one question, not not more than one candidate. Yes, but we were able to meet uh, during the pre-interview time, during the program orientation. Uh, the first program offered us a pre-interview like night orientation and then another orientation in the morning. So we were able, I was able to know. Also, they shared like the list of who are applying for the track. So I was able to know. Yeah, I mean, your husband has any doesn't have any intention of moving, right? Uh, no, uh, he will be looking for his waiver. Uh, but in 2022, for the year for 2022. So not for the first year of my residency, in the second year. Uh, and both places have waiver in nearby, like in the first option, in nearby counties, they offer waivers. And for the second option, in the nearby cities and nearby states. So let's see about their post-interview communication. How do they do? For the First program, one of the residents replied to me, but he the, he was in the categorical, not in the primary track. What did they say? Uh, so, like I, I I've mentioned, I like the program. I'm excited to be part of it, and they said like we're I, excited to work with you too, like the same. Uh, but the problem is when I tried to reach for the one of the residents in the primary care track, they they didn't respond. Uh, like even uh, asking questions about the program or anything she didn't reply so this is the only response i received for the first program so what is the total size of the residency their categorical i think we are 16 per year i would like to confirm that total 16 of which four are primary care no 16 for the categorical and primary is four so i think it's total 20 and there's a fourth year uh for chief resident 14 to 16 residents varies like no fixed number i'm going to give and, you uh, let me give you this link by the way uh can you go click there and search this program the second one and tell me if they've had any unfilled i don't want to you know we're, we're trying to keep the name of the programs anonymous and if you can just confirm both of those both your number one and number two if you can confirm those uh i would appreciate it in the meantime as well dr mazani with it being January, is now still a good time to reach out to the other programs that we may not have heard from? And what are your tips for that? 100%. You know, we have some really good recordings on, on YouTube, on contacting programs. So I, I think you should always, you should definitely check that out first and, and view that and, and implement a lot of those suggestions that we have there. And you should absolutely contact them. You have nothing to lose. You have contact them. And, you know, it's getting pretty late in the game right now, but Let's say that it was if it was in December, early January, typically our members secure anywhere between one and three, four interviews by just constantly calling until they speak with someone. So they just bring up their application. In your situation here, you wanna you wanna somehow you wanna establish communication with both of these programs. It's not enough that the categorical did this categorical resident did did he even interview you that he replied back to you or no? He was one of the residents that were orienting us about the program. Okay. So we did have interviews with the residents on that one. Okay. Email, thank you. Email faculty um, as well as Happy New Year to those kind of believe that during the interview, the faculty hinted not to email them too much. Okay. And thank you, email for Peter. And one of the faculty that you interviewed with replied back to you from the second program? Yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. What was their position? He was an internist. Yes, and I interviewed with him. Uh, but what was it? Was he an associate PD? Was he the program director or? No, just an internist. Like, does have like, um, not that like you any, any, any titles. Yeah. Any other titles. Okay. 
and you have somebody a graduate from your school in the first ranking program uh, in the categorical uh, well, but not in the track yeah. well it seems like it's all the same program it's just a different track of the same program that's what it, it feels like so there is somebody from your school what what year are they uh in the second year and also I have a friend but it's not from my same school and uh in the third year but not not from my same school do you think this interview was a courtesy interview no i don't think so because all the all the other candidates were having the same time for the interview or the same pattern i get that but do you believe that your friends had anything to do with you securing this interview well i think they help they might have helped with taking it out of the filter because most programs put the filters for the attempt and they already have an attempt but i don't think like when they when the when they saw my application and asked me they said like that application is interesting and it shows my hard work so so i didn't guess it's a courtesy interview at all and as i mentioned like it didn't do anything different than the other candidates like were the same panel two interviews uh two, two interviewers for the same duration of time no much difference at all did the second attempt on ck come up in the interview in the first one yes and what did you say what did they say well, they said that, uh, well, I told them that it was different uh, pattern from the exams we had in the United, in, the, in our own country than in the States. And through the second attempt, I learned how to, I worked myself to build better stamina for the exams, to have uh, better exam solving techniques, better study techniques, and use concepts of um, uh, space repetition and use flashcards. And uh, they said it, it like, um, it had a good explanation for that despite they are not were not convinced that like the differences question styles can be an excuse but they uh, find it is a good explanation for what happened right? tell you what just historically speaking if a program if they say look you know everybody that's coming over here they've had first attempt and if you have a second attempt they usually take that pretty seriously when it comes to rank order list if it's something that that you know they're pretty that set on and the reason why i was asking you whether they asked about it i'm trying to, i was trying to gauge whether that's you know what we call a um, a deal breaker or not and had they not asked you about your attempts had they not brought it up in the interview i wouldn't worry about it but it seems like it's a blocker to them especially if they were not convinced with your with your response so you should probably consider that i'm not sure if that's enough for you to move them from one to number two I don't think that's the only reason why you should keep in mind. I think so. Going back over here to cons, I think there's a number five con here, which is first attempt USMLE and asked about it your second attempt in the interview. Now, what happens usually in programs like this that are pretty serious about the number of attempts, then they'll go back and try to figure out how did that person get an interview here. So just kind of walking you through these steps just so that you have a better idea of, you know, potentially these are what you're dealing with. And is it is it worth moving your number two to number one or no? We're going to keep it there. It's pretty important that your husband is there. With number two, it seems like there's a possibility of H1B. Yeah, that's pretty significant. It seems like you meet their, you know, criteria. Did they ask you about your attempts? In the second program? No. No. So to them, it didn't make a difference. But attempts just the second attempt on step one alone drops total interview and match chances by about 90%. So 
to those programs that matter, it matters a lot. To those programs that doesn't matter, it's not a big deal breaker. So that's why I really want you to consider that additional attempt, especially for a program that is very clearly stated that look, and they even bring it up during the interview, that look, you know, what's going on with your second attempt? That's, you know, they're, they're gonna have some internal discussions about that. Does that make sense? Yes, uh, but I uh, just my question is like, it, it, it's a logical question to be asked. It's already evident in my transcript. And if they ask uh, questions about what's more interesting and what's like highlighted in the application, it's common sense to be asked, particularly that the second program, they already are flexible about the attempts. They said up to two attempts in all steps. The other one, the first one doesn't have, didn't mention anything about the attempts. Yes, so it's already in the application. And so what makes my application different from the other applicants? What makes your application different from the other applicants is the original question I asked you, which I thought that whether you think this is a courtesy interview. Courtesy interviews usually means that there's someone that's making an exception to bring somebody in for the interview. And either they meet with them one-on-one -on -one or they put them through the entire interview process. And then they let the team kind of decide, you know, whether this is someone that they want to, you know, they, they, they won't say what that exception was. And typically the person that was behind it is not really well known who that person is. Sometimes they know, sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's just, you know, resident that's really close with the program coordinator. And then they just, you know, talk a couple of times and the coordinator opens it up and allows them to come in. Sometimes it's the PD, you know, they, they really want to do it because they, you know, they just, whatever reason they have. And so, you know, you, you, you know, you've gotten past the, 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 the first step. Now it's the, you know, it's the step of, you know, what does everybody else think about everything that they see in front of them? And so, yeah, I agree with you that it's right there in your application. Of course, it's what does everybody else think about this right now based on the culture of the program? And as you very well have experienced it as well, second program didn't even care, right? The yes. first program clearly did. So that in itself should tell you a lot about the program. I know this conversation doesn't feel good to you because you want to rank this number one because you feel like it's right there in your backyard. Your husband is there. Everything makes sense. But sometimes just remember, if you try to make a square fit into a circle, you may pay for it long term in some other way. Now, the other thing that's counting against your number one is that there's only four residents. That means that if that's your number one, they get to their number four. If they get all their top four, I really want you to check that link that I just sent you. I want you to check to see if they've ever had any unfills. So please go to that link that I sent. Check both, no, of, them. both of them. Both programs, yeah. Both of them had filled. Okay. So it's not going to take them long to, to get to their, you know, to, to fill their four programs, uh, four slots. With the second one, there are a total of two per year. Right? They're a total of 22 per year. So that means 22. So the chances of you having a chance at a program with 22 slots that they have to fill is clearly a lot more. Yes, this is why like, I'm confused. Like, There's my preference, and this is what the logic. A couple of ways you look at it. Number one, you know, there's, there's a school of thought that says, hey, just apply to where you can see yourself working. That's one school of thought. But you can't ignore you know, all the other factors that are pulling at the, this decision of yours, right? Which is all the, the operationally what's making that other residency program tick and work, right? And, and how does that really match up? And, you know, what are all the pluses and minus? If the first program only had, you know, two slots, you know, with a second attempt and, 
you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's going to be a pretty tough decision to make. So the lower the number of slots, the more serious you got to consider whether you want to rank them as number one, especially if you only have two programs to rank. I mean, the stakes are a lot higher for you. So let's say that hypothetically, if you were to rank the second one higher, one higher, you're clearly telling this program that you are my number one option, you know, choice. So if you're number one and they got you ranked within the first 22, or maybe not 25, 30, anywhere in there, your chances are pretty good that you're going to match in there. You know, but if you were, if you rank them number two and other people have ranked them number one, then of course the preference is going to go to those applicants that have ranked them as number one, right? Because they're saying, Hey, you're, they're telling the, the match algorithm, I want to be here. You know, you're telling match algorithm, I want to be in my number one. So it's tough, especially with two interviews. It's tough. I get it. But this is what happened. I think, even though I believe that number two should be number one, I think you're going to be extremely unhappy about it. I will. I can leave it. Like, uh, like I mean, just like I'm. I don't know. Like, who, should I choose according to my preferences or according to what makes what increases my chances to match? This is what I'm confused about. It's hard with two with two on your rank order. This is very hard to signify chances. So in your case, we have to go with what makes you feel better. And God forbid we go ahead and switch number two to number one and you do not match. You're never going to forgive me. <laughs> you know, so but I think if you're number one is number one and you still do not match. If that happens, you're still going to feel a little bit better about it because you're going to say, well, look, this was my gut feeling about it. Anyways, if it didn't happen, it was it was it wasn't meant to be. Not sure how big of an institution this is. 22 residents is massive. I mean, this is a 66 residency program, 66 resident residency program in terms of that's massive. It's a lot of human resources. So they have an incredible foundation. And uh, but that also means that, you know, there's probably a lot more oversight. But the fact that they get H1B is a pretty big deal. So I'm weighing that like this is my third cycle. And um I don't know if I like you know what, I'm already consumed applying for the match for three years. So I need to make the right decision because I don't want to pass to, to go to another match. So, have you have you ever gotten an interview at this number one program before? No, not none of them. Both of them were my first time ever. Done. Not to receive an invite or anything. I think what you should do, I think you should reach out to your friends in your number one ranked program and ask them, hey, listen, what, what should I do? If you trust them, say, how did my interview go? What are people saying about my attempt? Is that a, is that a deal breaker? And see what? I can do that. I think that's probably your best bet because that's my number one concern. If mm -hmm. they say, we talked about it, not a big deal. They love the way you interviewed. Perfect. Number one, keep it there. Number two, keep it there. You're good to go. You're done. Certified. Well, certified at deep one March, you know, not now because you may get another interview. And everybody who's listening and watching, don't certify right now, because if you certify right now, then you get another interview, then you can't rank the program. So don't certify mm -hmm. until, the, you know, until you're absolutely sure there's no more interviews, okay? So is that, is that fair? Yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good idea. Okay. And then mm -hmm. depending on what their answer is, then that's how you, you know, that's how you know you keep your number one or you keep your number two. And you want to still follow up with the second program as well and call the coordinator. Call the coordinator. Say, look, I know you get 66 residents. That's a lot of people to handle. Uh, you know, but how do you think I did? You know, 
Does the program director have any other questions for me? You know, I'm about to rank all of my programs. You know, I really want to, I really enjoyed my interview with you and see what the coordinator says. Oh, okay. Uh, I have a question. So when I sent, uh, so I, uh, when I sent about the letters of interest about the ranking, uh, so I will phone call the coordinator and to whom should I send the emails? The coordinator and the director or? I think you should call them. Just call them, you know, because you already emailed them, you know, the email didn't really totally work as you expected it to. I mean, you got, did any of them, let me see your email. Yeah, I mean, you did all of this and one only one of the faculties responded, you know. So the emails didn't work. So you got to call them, call and directly speak with the coordinator and speak slower. Oh, okay. Okay. Speak slower. The link, yeah. Right. I know we talked about this in your interview prep, but you got to enunciate, just you know, speak a little bit slower and, and get a, get a feel for how he or she is feeling about you. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Fan, any questions for us? Well, I would also recommend that Dr. Essie comes back in the next week or two as well to see if we have any updates from there. And again, I want to thank all of our members in attendance today. You yourself, Dr. Mazzani, for the insight that you shared. Of course, as we as we saw, we, as we were working off the rank order list worksheet, you've added columns to it, added new factors to weigh in. So it's not as simple and straightforward as we may have initially have thought rank order list should be, whether it's a gut feeling or not, there's a lot of factors that come into play. And with that being said, I want to thank you for your time. That concludes this week's episode, episode six of AC Medical's Future Docs podcast. And any last words from our guests or yourself, Dr. Mazzani? Yeah, Dr. S.E., do you have any suggestions? You said that this is your third match cycle. What suggestions do you have for others that are in your same shoes? I believe, uh, like, your advices and your insight made a whole difference for me this year like uh, like last year well, i had i didn't have any interviews at all this year i had um an inter a couple of interviews uh with your guidance with your advices the externships and how to uh w prepare for them and prove myself uh the interview prep um and uh, it was like it was a great uh, great thing also your insights about the how to reach for programs following the proper etiquette and not to bother them um, so I believe it made a huge difference for me this year than the previous two years so uh, and actually I'm already telling my friends about it so <laughs> thank you so much well thank you so much for your sharing of you know such important life achievements even one interview is is an accomplishment just everyone remember you're applying to get into the most difficult to get into fraternity and sorority in the world of healthcare, which is the practice of medicine in the united states and so it is expected for there to be some setbacks it is expected to for it to take a lot of thoughts you know these are really really important considerations that you're making and a lot of times you're trying to hypothesize about what the other party is thinking and they don't want to share any information so it's a pretty complicated situation to be in and stakes are high it couldn't be higher especially this year it could not be higher this year than any other year in the past right in the middle of the pandemic and we're doing this and this is these are life deciding factors for all of you 
So for whoever is here, and Dr. Essie, Dr. PR, thank you again for sharing all this information. Whoever is listening to this, don't get overwhelmed, right? As you see, we deal with these things sequentially. The most critical thing is don't give up. Most critical thing is don't just listen to one person and say, okay, well, you know, maybe I got to jump over and take my step three. Maybe I do have to go out and do six months of research. Oh, maybe, okay, I don't have a chance because I graduated, you know, seven, 10 years ago. Or maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I'm a little bit too old for a residency now. They're not going to consider me. If all of our members said that, we would not be here right now, right? And so be positive. Get the right mentorship and advice. It makes all the difference in the world. It really does make all the difference in the world. And even with two interviews, it just takes one for the one program to like you and for you to like them, and then you got a match. So all of the programs that you put on your rank order list, in my mind, are really all number one because you could end up in any of them. And so just think about those things. I guess the most critical thing you got to answer to yourself is, could I see myself not being there? Is there something that just was an absolute deal killer? For me, you know, for me, for example, was that the step three, you know, for me, and I know that PR, that wasn't that big of a deal to you, but to me it was. And so for me, my rank order list would have been very different for, for that one particular program. I would have dropped them a little bit lower too. So, you know, everybody is very personalized when they approach it, but you need to have this type of approach in order to get a really, really firm grip on, you know, whether you're happy with your decision and be okay with modifying it. I think the one difference that we saw between Dr. PR and Dr. SE, which is again completely normal and it is totally fine. Dr. SE was a little bit more resistant and changing her gut feeling. Dr. PR was a little bit more open to changing his gut feelings, and that's totally okay. And that really has a lot to do with the total number of interviews there, too. So that's why you got to hustle, you got to call these programs, so you still have time, see if you can go in and scrape up some last minute interviews and you can add to this rank order list. Programs are still interviewing. There's programs that are still interviewing. I got a call from one of our members, Dr. K. Cody, you know her. She just got an interview. She had two dates offered, February 8th or February 18th. They were interviewing all the way till February 18th. That was their last day of interview. You call these programs and you could, you could probably scrape up some interviews. And she's doing a rotation there with the program director. But I'm just saying that there are still interviews there. Just because it's January 29th doesn't mean that the interviews are done and all hope is lost. With that being said, thank you so much for your time, everyone. Our, our fantastic guests, Dr. S.E. and Dr. P.R., you both were wonderful. Great insight. Thank you so much for sharing everything. And thanks so much for being members of AC Medical and trusting us. It means the world to us. Thank you so much, Dr. Mizan. Thank you, Claudia. Of course. And of course, for those interested in more content, feel free to check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash AC Medical Org, one word. And if you would like to reach out to us, feel free to check out our website as well, acmedical.org.